Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, everyone, I am on the line with Bill Fellman. Bill is the Director of Data Science at USAA. Bill, welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So we were originally planning to connect at the Strata Data Conference in New York, but you unfortunately weren't able to make it due to uh, Hurricane Florence, actually. Did everything work out okay for you uh, with the hurricane? It actually did. I mean, we, at the beginning of the week, we had a zone of uncertainty that included where I live. And then it's, as the week progressed, we it shifted south. So luckily it missed my area, but still it created a lot of um, uncertainty and drama in preparation for it. Uh, I bet. I bet. So at the Strata conference, you were going to talk about topic modeling, and we're going to dig into that uh, in our conversation today. But before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, about your background? Sure, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm a, the director of data science team at, at USA, which is the United Services Automobile, Automobile Association. And my team conducts research and applies advanced analytical methods in support of our contact center operations that serves 12.4 million members. And how I got to that um, position. My background is in mathematics, and I, I hold a bachelor's in mathematics, a master's in applied mathematics, and a PhD in applied science. And my applied science PhD dissertation it was in the area of computer vision. And so what I did in my dissertation, I, I developed a, a method to classify non-heat generating objects in, in thermal imagery. And that work actually led me to an opportunity to work in an autonomy incubator at NASA Langley Research Center after I retired from the from the US Army and while in the autonomy incubator I worked on a multidisciplinary team I was doing computer vision and what we were doing was developing machine intelligence software for uncrewed systems and that actually, that computer vision work is what led me to my efforts at USAA involving natural language processing. And so what I'm doing at um, USAA is really looking in large corpus of documents and under trying to identify topics, um, what I call unknown unknowns, really the things we don't know what we don't know. But if you go back to my computer vision, really computer vision is looking at frames of imagery and each frame is a matrix where each value within the cells in the frame are either gray level values or RGB, red, green, blue. And when you look at natural language processing, I'm really dealing with large volumes of documents and along with those documents, the, the terms or vocabulary that are involved. So I'm gonna take those large corpus of documents along with their vocabulary and I'm gonna put them in a matrix. And so I'm really either when I'm doing computer vision or if I'm doing natural language processing, I'm applying the similar types of mathematics, which involves the calculus and, and matrix algebra, probability and statistics to both types of applications. So it was, it was a really good fit from what I was doing um, with computer vision and then transitioning over to natural language processing type work that I'm doing at USAA. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, and what is the... 
what's the motivation for doing that kind of work in support of a contact center? What are the, the kinds of documents and data that you're dealing with and what business outcomes do they help uh, drive for you? Good question. So at, in our contact center, so we got the, a call channel um, we also have where agents are talking to to our members on the phone. We also have a chat channel where members are talking to our our agents as well. But also we have digital channels such as .com and mobile. So these are very large volume of both unstructured and structured data. And what we want to be able to do is gain insights in this data to better serve our members. And this is where actually topic modeling comes into play. And what you can think of topic modeling as a way to what I like to say, uncover the unknown unknowns. You know, there's there's the things we don't know what we don't know. And um, what topic modeling is, is an unsupervised method that helps us discover those topics that are emerging. Got it. You mentioned uh, a, a chat channel. Are you using AI as part of delivering that chat? And I'm, I'm mostly asking because I, this concept of discovering the unknown unknowns seems like it would be really helpful in identifying, you know, for example, topics that come up in chat conversations that you might need to create, you know, intense and, and mm-hmm. uh, support for in your chat system. Yeah, so absolutely. So what we want to be able to do and what we're doing is, you know, we, you have chat in the chat channel you have conversations between our agents and our members and same thing with the the call channel and what we want to be able to do is identify topics that are emerging before we reach a peak call volume and that way we can um, say mitigate members concerns before we hit that peak call volume Um, as an example if if there's some kind of um forest fire, for example, in, in, in California or a hurricane, you know, as we start seeing um, conversations about that, we can use topic modeling to get a better understanding of our the needs of our members. And we can be able to be ready to provide the services before we even reach any kind of peak call volume. It's, it's really being more proactive than reactive to the after the fact. Okay. Okay. So you've got this uh, data set that comes from the is it coming primarily or or solely from these chat and email interactions or are you also transcribing uh, voice support calls what what all how all does your or how do you generate your data set so the the chat of course that's through the chat channel and that's that's text that's written between you know the conversation between a agent and a member and then the actual call is a transcription. So the call audio is transcribed to text. And so we would be able to obtain that um, data, which when we get it, we, it's redacted. So it's all any kind of personal information or identifiable information or confidential information of our members is removed. And then we'll be able to run topic modeling on that to be able to gain those insights. What approaches to, to topic modeling do you use? So the the approach or the methodology that I use mainly is non-negative what's called non-negative matrix factorization. So traditionally within the area of 
um, topic modeling, there has been mainly like three methods, which one, the first method is, is one of the original methods, which is latent semantic indexing or latent semantics analysis. And what that method does, it takes a document term matrix. So you can imagine these very large, and, and by the way, when I say document, what I'm meaning is a, any kind of unit of text under analysis. It could be a, um, it could be one chat converse it could be a chat or it could be a a um call transcript it, it could even be a tweet or or some other kind of unstructured data but so we're take you can imagine this document term matrix and along the say rows are all these documents along the columns are all these terms so there's different methods that you can use to decompose that matrix into other matrices and be able to gain insights and like i mentioned the one of the original methods is latent semantic indexing. And what that does, it uses singular value decomposition to decompose that document term matrix into three other matrices. And so, but the criteria with that method is that it, it's creating or the matrices that are decomposed into are orthogonal vectors within each of those matrices. And so that is a concern because a conversation is usually includes more than one topic you know we, we could be talking you know about hurricane florence but we could also be talking about other topics involved as well and we want to be able to distinguish those type of topics and with latent semantic indexing it usually has an issue doing that because of the orthogonality in the in the matrices that it decomposes it into another method is before we called, before we continue does that suggest that the this latent semantic indexing might be better used for smaller documents like a tweet or an individual chat uh, message as opposed to an entire transcript of a call or an entire chat interaction? It, it could be a tweet, it could, but it's usually it's probably best applied when you don't have overlap within a given of different topics within a document, which would be sort of a it could be a tweet because you're restricted to the number of characters, so you're usually talking about one topic. Is that kind of inherent to the the document or to the set of classes that you are looking to associate these documents with? For example, or meaning, if I've got a a news site and I've got and I have like some, uh, you know, strictly delineated like a set of uh, like categories of news, like you know, health and finance and sports that are, you know, orthogonal. Uh, does that mean that I can use LSI, or is it more have more to do with the content of the documents themselves? It's usually it's probably more to do with the content of the document themselves themselves um, because you, you could ha you could be talking about um, if you had like a large corpus of tweets and let's suppose that they're talking about World Cup and and the Olympics if you take all of those tweets and you just put them into one bucket then the latent semantic indexing might do okay with the the tweets since they may have be talking about different or the different types of topics and it may be able to distinguish them better than a say a call transcript that could include multiple different topics and so it that makes sense it's taking a, a step back these i'm thinking about my the example that i gave where i'm trying to 
put documents into topics. And that's a different kind of a problem. That's more of a categorization type of a problem. Uh, whereas what we're doing, what you're, we're talking about here with topic modeling is like an unsupervised learning. Like you just have the data and you're trying to identify what the topics are in the data itself. Is that, is that right? It, absolutely. And you can think of it as a form of soft clustering. Okay. So with the um, k-means clustering, for example, that's a form of hard clustering where it's actually taking a specific document and categorizing it within a specific cluster. But because we know that a document could include more than one type of conversation or topic or theme, we want to we don't necessarily want to hard place that um, do a hard clustering to place that document within one specific cluster. What we would rather do is see how well see how many topics are, are existing in that document, and then say what is the probability that this document is associated with say topic number one. Um, what's the probability is associated with topic number two, et cetera. So that's, it's more of a soft clustering, which is what topic modeling will do for you. Okay. All right. So latent semantic indexing, it's kind of a traditional way that folks might approach this, but it's got this limitation because it enforces that these terms be orthogonal to one another. So it doesn't perform well when your documents have multiple topics in them. The, yes, Absolutely. And so another couple other methods that work pretty well is one, a traditional method, it's called latent Dirichlet allocation, which is more of a probabilistic type method um, based on the Dirichlet distributions. And it, it does pretty good, but what we have found is that because it uses Gibbs sampling, which is more of a um, random selection of the terms and the documents, we, had, we see a tendency that it, the topics results vary from one run to another. And so that's where I sort of lean more towards the third method, which is um, non-negative matrix factorization. And what that does, is it takes the original document term matrix and decomposes it into two other matrices, one being a document topic matrix and a topic term matrix. Presumably because this isn't using Gibbs sampling, your results given a particular corpus are more repeatable? Yes, yes. So with the non-negative matrix factorization, what it's doing is it's it's more of an optimization process. Um, so what it's doing is decomposing that original document term matrix into the two other matrix matrices. And the goal is to minimize the error between the original matrix and the product of the other two. And, it, mm -hmm. and it's, it's pretty repeatable. I mean, it does a pretty good job at um, providing good results and also um, th that you can run over, continuously run. And now when I hear matrix factorization, I hear hard. <laughs> does that, uh, is that necessarily the case? I mean, or, you know, maybe um, hard to scale is maybe more particular. Uh do you find that to be the case or are there methods for doing this matrix factorization that are, you know, computationally uh, tenable at large scale? Yeah. That, so large scale, it does pretty good as, you know, with using very large corpus sizes, I, I guess the challenge can be um, 
when you start getting it running it on like near real time data online data okay and and that can be a challenge but there are different methods that can um use the original topics and then do some kind of resampling of the new topics or new documents that are coming in and integrating them in so scalability to large uh corpuses isn't really actually a big deal and you know, the time it takes to do this can be a big deal, but there are some methods to uh, overcome that. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. So interesting. So, you know, we've talked about this document term matrix as being the starting place for, you know, all three of these topic modeling methods, but we haven't talked about how we even get to that, how we represent the documents uh, in this term matrix. Uh that's there are different ways to do that, right? Sure. So there's a there's a pipeline for this process, and so what we do is we want to do some kind of pre-processing. So we we may want to, of course, tokenize the documents. So each term is um, a, a single um, dimension, but we also want to remove things like the stop words. So the common terms like a the the high frequency terms that may not be able to give us give us very good insights with the topics or the subjects so we remove those as well and then we may want to also apply some dimensionality reduction techniques so there's of course when you're working with a large corpus of documents the dimensions can be very large and that interferes with the processing time as well so there's dimensionality reduction techniques that we can apply. Um, what I have done in the past is, you know, do a single phase or stage where I'm running um, topic modeling to help reduce the dimensions across all the, the documents as a pre-processing step as well. Uh, and so what's an example of a dimensionality reduction technique that you might apply to this doc document term matrix? So what I, what I do usually as far as a dimensionality reduction technique is I will run non-negative matrix factorization on the entire corpus using two techniques. Um, one, one is term frequency, um, forming a term frequency matrix, and the other Frequent or method is using term frequency inverse document frequency. And so term frequency, what that's really doing is forming the original document term matrix that based on the frequency of terms, whereas term frequency inverse document frequency is, is looking at the frequency of terms within each document, but also looking at the, the frequency of a term across all the documents. So it's sort of like offsetting. So a very high frequency term that um, is, is existing across all the document may not receive as, as much weight as if it's high frequency, but only occurring across a few documents. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to run doc, the non-negative matrix factorization on the entire corpus at first and get and reduce my vocabulary size from say hundreds of thousands of terms to possibly down to a few hundred or, or a thousand terms. And that is just the pre-processing. And then I can go ahead and run, get more refinement running topic modeling further on, on those documents. So how does doing your, matrix, your non-negative matrix factorization on the larger uh, document 
term matrix get you to reducing the number of terms? So the it goes back to the original um, decomposition. So the non-negative matrix factorization is decomposing the original document term matrix into the two other matrices, which are the document topic matrix and the topic term matrix. And so what it's going to do is it's you can reduce the number of terms um, based on the, the number of topics. So if you have, so what it's going to do is if you look at the topic term matrix, it's giving you the strength of association between the topics and the terms where so that if you have a term that has a higher rate it has a more of a higher strength of association with a given topic so if i say look at the um top 100 terms within a given topic and just consider those terms as part of my vocabulary that i'm going to use mm -hmm. then that will give me a, some kind of reduction dimensionality reduction as opposed to using all of the terms if you're looking at say these top 100 terms on a for a given topic are you then kind of zeroing out terms back in your document term matrix and kind of creating more of a sparse matrix or are you changing the shape of that matrix based on this new information that you have so it sort so it does change the shape so what it's doing is I'm going to be um, my initial run with uh, non-negative matrix factorization is going to create a new document term matrix, but only include those terms that will have the highest association between that I had originally from the the pre-processing run with topics. So it's what it's really doing is it's it's given me terms that are more relevant when I run subsequent topic modeling. So just to, to kind of pull on this one, uh, you know, one more step. So you've got these terms, you zero out, you know, say you've got 100,000 terms and you've got, well, how many topics would be typical in your case? So, that, so that's a good question, actually. That's a, that's a sort of an open problem, the number of topics. Mm -hmm. But I do have, we have a technique that we run. Um, it's um, to compute what is a coherence score, interpretability of the topics. And what that, that running the coherence will do is allow us to identify sort of like the optimal number of topics that we need to run. And so is this on the order of tens or hundreds or thousands for, you know, a, a you know, corpus of documents that, well, maybe give us uh, kind of general numbers for each of these uh, things. How many documents do you tend to have tend to see, you know, rough order magnitude, how many terms, how many topics? Uh, so it could be, I mean, we could easily be running, say, 50,000 documents through the through the um, topic modeling in, in one run. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it could be more, but usually around 50,000. Um, the number of terms, of course, you know, that's, it's going to vary. I mean, if we're running, um, creating a topic term matrix on a call, conversations then you know the calls can vary from you know a couple minutes to many minutes so the size of the corpuses can vary as as well mm -hmm. or the documents can vary as well um but it's all it's all i mean the only limitation of course is the the processing speed you know to that we're working with when you are identifying the terms that are most meaningful is that on a 
topic by topic basis or is that across the corpus? Specifically, I'm asking about this this step where we're doing the dimensionality reduction, not so much like the meaning of the topic itself and the the coherence. Um, specifically, when we're look, doing that dimensionality reduction and trying to get from our 100,000 terms down to 100, is that on a per topic basis or is that, are you looking at the 100 terms that have the most weight across all topics? Does yes. that question make sense? Yeah. So the fo- the final vocabulary is based on the the terms across all the topics that were used in the pre-processing phase. Okay. So you've got these, uh, you identify these hundred, say, terms that uh, most strongly correlate to these topics that you've identified. And that kind of answers my question, I guess, that I've been trying to get to the long way around. If you're doing it across the all of the topics, then you can just kind of get rid of all the other terms in your document term matrix, as opposed to if you were doing it on a topic by topic basis, then you'd still have kind of this potentially large sparse yes. matrix. Yes. Okay. And and so this this resulting set of vocabulary in this pre-processing that we just ran based on this um um, topic modeling to identify the the top terms across all topics across the entire corpus. This vocabulary set is what's going to be used in the subsequent topic modeling, and that's the dimensionality reduction. You mentioned TF-IDF and and term frequency. How do those play into here again? So in the in the subsequent steps, I'm pr- just going to be using TI TF-IDF. Um, there's really so in the pre-processing, when I do the initial run for non-negative matrix factorization, I, I run use both techniques to identify the vocabulary, the term frequency, and the term frequency inverse document frequency. Um, but once I identify the vocabulary in the subsequent steps, I'll just be running the the TF-IDF, which the difference between the two methods is that the term frequency it's looking at it's really assigning an equal weight to each term, and so it. Um, it's, it's looking at the, how, for a given term, how frequent that term occurs across the entire corpus. But really, there's no difference on how it's applying the, the weight, that weight value to term A as it is to term B. But there, you may have a term that it's a high frequency not only in a given document, but a very high frequency across all the documents. So that specific term may not really give you much insights on the topic of the conversation. So the other method, which is term frequency inverse document frequency, sort of offsets that. It'll look at not only the frequency of the terms within a document, but also how frequent that, frequent that term occurs across other documents. So it will give a high value when terms, for example, occurs many times within a small number of documents. And that's what I use in the subsequent topic modeling as well. Uh, then you mentioned the coherence score. What does that help you get to? So you can think of coherence as a measure that captures the semantic interpretability of topics. And it's it's based on the co-occurrence of topics or topic words. And where that's important is that when you when the topic model or say non-negative matrix factorization is creating these categories consisting of these topic categories 
that are consisting of terms, we want the analysts to be able to look at those topics and say, oh, I get it. I, I understand what that topic is about. And that starts getting into interpretability. And you want to be able to generate a coherent score that is going to provide you a good inter semantic interpretability of the, of the topics. And that's, it's, that sort of like coherent score is a function of the number of topics. And so what we have done is um, identify the number of topics that will maximize the average coherence across the, the corpus. And what's the intuition for kind of the, the math, you know, the score itself, what the coherent score is saying? So it's based on co-occurrence of words. So there's, there's a few methods that are, are used. Um, but what it's doing is it's, it's looking at the counts of the number of documents containing like a set of terms, words, and it's using that. And it's also taking consideration the, the logarithm of that, val of that count. And so it's, it's you, the closer for the specific coherent score, um, method I'm using the closer that value is to zero, the more coherent your topic is and the more negative the value is, the less coherent it is. And so what we want to be able to do is identify the one number of the topics that will maximize coherence. And then that's the, the, number of topics that we'll use and and be able to compute the the topic categories and also the coherent scores for each topic category. Okay. And that number of topics that maximizes coherence is going to be ultimately based on the relationships between these terms in the given documents in the corpus? Yes, the co-occurrence, yes, the relationship between terms. Okay. Do you have any kind of rules of thumb that you've found for I guess it really depends a lot on the the types of documents, but for is there kind of a standard, you know, say for call transcripts, do you have any rules of thumb where it, you know, it ends up being on the order of, you know, hundred of hundreds of topics as opposed to, you know, tens or thousands? So I've actually I mean this is probably surprising, but I've actually a rule of thumb is between five and eight topics is a pretty good value to get inter good interpretability. It, it, if you start getting larger than that number of topics, then you start losing the, the coherence. How does it fail? Like, are there patterns in the way it fails? Like, does it pick up uh, words that, you know, just aren't meaningful in the sense of, you know, not particularly additive to understanding what the, topic is of a given document or is it trying to you know split topics to you know fine you know fine grain so there are words that are kind of similar that should be one topic like is there a uh do you, do you see patterns in the way it tends to fail if you have too many topics i i think what it will try if you have too many topics what it will try to do is spread yeah spread those terms um across more more of those topic categories and therefore you start losing the interpretability um but you know the, 
when you when you're doing topic modeling, I mean, it goes back to the the purpose of it. You know, it's doing soft clustering, so it's it's definitely possible that you're going to see a term existing in more than one topic category. Um, you know, f- for example, if I if if I have seven documents and you know, four of the documents are talking about financial banks and three of the documents are talking about river banks, more likely you're going to see the word bank across those all seven or, or all, um, all the topics. But you're probably going to be able to still be able to distinguish the topics because you're going to see things that are talking about river banks and certain topics. And you're going to see things that are terms that are associated with um, financial banks and other topics. And the reason is, is because it's based, topic modeling is based on co-occurrence of terms. So you're going to see a lot of um, commonality of terms that are co-occurring together in those given documents placed in a specific topic. And it it does pretty good. It does really good. Is there a way to identify what the primary topic of a, a given document is? Is that just kind of ranking the the topics based on some score or probability? So that that's a very good question. And that's actually one of the purposes of doing the topic modeling as well. So if you go back to the, the original decomposition, it's taken that document term matrix and decomposing it into a document topic matrix and also the topic term matrix. So the, the topic term matrix is giving you the strength of association between each of the terms and a given topic. So that if I say I take the top 10 terms for a given topic, which top 10 terms being the ones that have the highest weight of association with a given topic, you know, that gives me information about what that topic or what is the theme of that given topic. But the other matrix, the document topic matrix, what that is doing is giving you the strength of association between each topic and a given document. And where that's important is it goes back to um, a conversation. So if you you and I are having a conversation, we're probably going to be talking about more than one topic, but we may want to identify, well, what's the primary topic? And that's where that that document topic matrix is important because it will allow us to identify the topic that has the highest value or weight, which is the highest strength of association between that topic and that, that given document. And I can look across a given corpus and run topic modeling on a whole bunch of transcripts across a, a given corpus. And I can be able to identify not only the topics of conversations across all the documents, but also I can identify which documents um, had topic one as the primary topic of conversation. You've done this factorization. You've got this document topic matrix and this topic term matrix. Can you then take this topic term matrix and kind of use it as a, a model that you can run inference against when you have a new document? You kind of put that through your your term pipeline to get the terms in that document and then you kind of apply you multiply it by this topic term matrix to get the the topics in that document so sort of like um subsequent modeling like subsequent right right so uh, trying to get the topics in a document that you didn't uh maybe the 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 question you know the question before this is does this topic term matrix tend to have strong predictive value for documents that 
don't exist within the corpus that it was created on. It's, it's not like a technique like uh, supervised learning where you're built into the process, you're testing against uh, data that you haven't built your model on. Yeah, so I, I what you can do is, so the, non- the topic modeling is definitely an unsupervised machine learning method. And, but you can think of it as being a precursor to a supervised method. So you could really take the top, the um, topic term matrix that is produced from this non-native matrix factorization and look at each one of those topics that are as an output and, and label them. You can provide a label for each of the topic and then, then create a supervised model, say with a deep learning um model that is able to classify a new call into one of those topic categories. And then if you say go below a given threshold of probability, perhaps maybe it's a new topic and you might want to put that new topic or that document associated with that one that fell below a threshold into a bucket and rerun topic modeling on it. So it's sort you can almost think of this process as a um, feedback. You're you're learning new topics and integrating them into a new model, updating the model, and then that model's making supervised models making predictions. And then if it isn't able to predict a new document um, based on a given probability, it puts it into a bucket and reruns topic modeling on it. Hmm. Hey, given that you have this limitation of five to eight topics in order to achieve uh, interpretability or coherence, is there is there a process through which you might, you know, if you've got a large corpus of, say, several hundred thousand documents, uh, or even, a, you know, this 50,000 document corpus, cluster your documents or partition your documents and create separate topic models, you know, so as to maximize the number of coherent topics that you end up with? Yeah, I think you could you could definitely do as a one of the initial steps. You could um, create rules that would separate the documents based on the structure data, the metadata. And, um, you know, you, you might be able to, for, for example, calls. You know, you if the calls are going to um, the bank, within the bank, you know, they might be going to um, deposits or, or, or checking or something like that. So as an initial step, you might be able to categorize those calls be, and then run s- separate topic modeling on each one of those categories. Um, you, you might be able to do really just, it's a matter of looking at the structure data before you would separate them. And then once you got those bucket of categories run, topic modeling on them. So you would have different topic models. So what you're suggesting is, as opposed to trying to do it in a machine learn kind of way, take advantage of the the metadata, if you will, that's inherent in your problem to partition up your documents into, you know, I guess there's a sweet spot, right? As small, yes. as small of a corpus as, as possible, but that still allows you to create a robust uh, topic model. Absolutely. You, you, really, what you're working with is semi-structured data. You know, you're look, you're working with the structured data um, and the metadata, and also, of course, the unstructured data, which is the text. And you're really ga- combining the two to be able to um, do the topic modeling effort. So you 
do this topic modeling, you get these topics, uh, you know, five to eight topics from a corpus of, of 50,000 transcripts or chat call or chat transcripts. Uh, how do you then integrate these back into uh, the call center operations to improve them? So if we're, it goes back to the example I used. Um, if, if we're identifying topics that are, are emerging um, before we reach a peak call volume, what we're able to do is um, be more proactive with the topics. Um, we may be able to create better or inform our agents of these these certain topics that are coming in so they can be more prepared to um, mitigate any concerns or better serve our, our members. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we may be able to even um, make adjustments if there's if there's confusion about something that's um say on the mobile channels um you know either dot com or or um mobile um we may be able to make adjustments on those on their, those different channels because we're starting to see topics and that are associated with those and then that also in turn could um decrease any call volumes associated with those concerns but it's really being trying to be more proactive to better serve our members rather than, you know, reacting after the fact. And do you find that the initial steps of this process where you're doing dimensionality reduction end up being at odds a bit with trying to use this as kind of an early warning system because they get rid of emerging terms that might not have yet achieved some kind of critical mass? Uh, no, not really. I think the how we approach it, it, it's able to identify the most significant terms, and it's able to capture the most relevant topics. It, it, it does a pretty good job. It's able to surface the things that we didn't even know. You know, I, I go back to the unknown unknowns. You know, the things we don't know what we don't know. You know, it, it's able to surface those things, so we're able to take action on them. Awesome. Awesome. Are there any open challenges or, or problems that uh, you see recurring as you try to use these types of models? You know, I would say there's definitely open problems. Um, I, I think that choosing the number of topics is still an open problem. I mean, I mentioned that we, you know, use the coherence score to try to maximize coherence. Um, you, what is the number of topics that will maximize coherence? I still think that's an open problem. Um, an appropriate corpus size, I, I think that's still an open problem, as well as the the document term matrix. You know, there's there's different weights that are used in a document term matrix, such as the term frequency and term frequency inverse document frequency. But I, I'm, I think there's um, more room for developing new weights and doing more research in that area. And then, of course, you know, I talked about coherence. You know, the coherence is the interpretability of topics, but I think also um, determining the relevancy of topics is really important because, you know, something could be interpretable, but is it really relevant and do we need to take action on it? Well, Bill, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us about this. I'm sorry that you didn't get a chance to present this at Strat. I'm sure folks would have enjoyed it, but uh, it's really interesting stuff. Well, thank you, Sam. Once again, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. 
To learn more about today's guest or the topics mentioned in this interview, visit twimmelai.com. Of course, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.